0: Yeah, I'm just doing a documentary with RTE and I was wondering... I wonder what that gizmo was in
1: yeah.
0: the <laughs> I was just looking for one particular manuscript. Do you mind if I go up with the... OK. Do you know, it's the Islamic one. Um... The Chester Beatty Library is one of the leading cultural institutions in Ireland. It is home to thousands of rare and ancient manuscripts. Hello. 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 Hello? Yes, I can, yeah. Its Islamic collection stands out as one of the finest in the world, and I'm on my way up to see it. And uh, I just wanted to see one particular manuscript from it. We're doing a documentary uh, about um, David James. 20 years ago, this priceless collection of American mining tycoon Sir Alfred Chester Beatty became
2: the centre of a scandal. I was supervising. And I really felt as sick as a sick parrot. I can still, even as I'm telling it, my stomach was right down to my shoes at the thought of it. OK, thanks very much then. Bye-bye,
0: bye. Thanks. She said it's fine and um, to radio the guys up there, whatever that yeah. means.
3: Yeah, you're going up to, to let them know, the church, you know. Yeah.
0: So the second floor, is it? Yeah. David James was the caretaker of the Islamic collection in the Chester Beatty Library in Dublin from 1969 to 1989. He was solely responsible for cataloguing and taking care of this rare and priceless collection of Islamic manuscripts.
3: The art of illumination is found at its highest in the sacred book of the Quran. One fragment from the 9th century is written in gold on blue vellum. Another manuscript is unique, and David James, the Islamic curator, tells us why. Well, what I've got here is one of the most important manuscripts in the library, uh, certainly one of the most important Islamic manuscripts in the world. It's a copy of the Quran, the holy book of Islam. As far as the Islamic world is concerned, there's no such thing as religious art in the form of painting. The uh, art par excellence, as far as the Muslims are concerned, was the art of calligraphy. And this particular work, which was written in Baghdad in the year 1001, is the only authentic example of the, uh, one of the Islamic world's most famous calligraphers, who was called Ibn al-Bawab. Uh, there were three famous calligraphers. And uh, this is the only surviving work of any of them.
0: Lorna uh, Siggins is the journalist who investigated the story for the Irish Times.
4: David James came from Stockton and Teesside. Um, He graduated with a BA in Fine Art from King's College Durham in 1963. Uh, He worked in the Sudan Civil Service from 1965 to 1967. He took a diploma in Arabic at Durham in 1968, and that was the year that Sir Alfred Chester Beatty died and left his collection to a board of trustees here. And uh, from then on, um, in 1969, um, he wrote to the director of the Chester Beatty Library, who was then uh, Dr Hayes, and he offered his services uh, in a curatorial capacity um, in relation to the Islamic section. And this was the library's most extensive collection. With uh, over 300 Qurans and over 3,000 Arabic manuscripts, um, although there were no precise figures, uh, from all over the Arab world and uh, similarly priceless Persian and Turkish paintings. So Dr. Hayes responded favourably. He was delighted. Um, he actually said in a letter back to Dr. James, uh, we do need a man of your type. And uh, so he was then entrusted with this priceless collection. And um, he moved over to Ireland and um, he, while he was working in the library, he wrote books, he contributed papers to international journals, he taught Arabic in UCD and he was given paid time off from his job to study for his doctorate, which was awarded by uh, Durham University in 1982. Uh, it took him 12 years to get the doctorate and the fees were paid by the Chester Beatty Library and he was then given a bonus when he got the PhD. The Chester Beatty Library was a quiet, old-worldly establishment but when Pat Donnan joined
0: in 1981, things began to change for David James.
2: It was all relatively cordial until I arrived in the Chester Beatty, and his immediate reaction to me is we don't need a librarian here. And there was very strong reaction against any steps I was taking towards trying to um, put controls in place, trying to put security in place. And I kept saying to the rest of the curatorial staff, but it's in our interest that we protect ourselves. It's not just protecting the collection by putting in these controls. So looking back, again, hindsight... Why was he so um, antagonistic to me when I came in? Because we had been friends. Um, I had been a student of his, etc. But he was very antagonistic.
0: Did he actually confront you and say he Oh, didn't? yes.
2: He said, we do not need, we don't need a librarian here, you know. By 1983, things were becoming
0: difficult for David James. He had been passed over as director of the Chester BC Library and as a result, had to leave the house on Shrewsbury Road he had come to think of as
4: home. Because after Dr Hayes retired, uh, Dr Patrick Henchy, who took over as director, didn't actually want to live there. So Dr James lived there for a while, and um, that all changed then when Wilfred Lockwood was appointed director and offered the house in 1983. And it was that state that there was a legal action, and Dr James was offered a low-interest loan of £11,000 at 6% and this was towards the purchase of a house in Sanford Road, Ranla where he lived with his wife, Erna, and children When Wilfred Lockwood came to the library you see, David James was really in trouble because this was a man who knew as much, if not more about Islamic manuscripts as he did Up until then, it could be argued that Dr. David James was the expert in his field Now, here was a man coming in with expert knowledge and who was his boss so, that was going to be difficult from the beginning, and the fact that Wilfred Lockwood had innocently accepted the offer of the director's house, not knowing that there were complications relating to you know David James living there. The relationship between them would have been very fractious from the start anyway, um, irrespective of what was happening. But uh, the fact then that Wilfred Lockwood would have started perhaps looking for material that wasn't there, looking for catalogues, taking a particularly keen interest in this area, uh, it would have been difficult for David James.
0: And his difficulties grew over the next two years. In a 1985 Morning Ireland interview, David James
3: aired his concerns with the new regime at the Chester Beatty Library. This morning comes the suggestion that some of our galleries, museums and libraries have somewhat mixed priorities, spending vast amounts on protecting exhibits in security terms, which may in fact be deteriorating in quality. David James is the Islamic curator of the Chester Beatty Library and he's with us now. Mr James, uh, you are concerned that in some cases works are, are deteriorating. How great a problem is that? Um, well, I think it uh, is a problem in uh, many museums... Uh, um Galleries uh, and libraries. Uh, I mean, I'm not suggesting that uh, there's a lack of uh, uh, conservationists in the um, main institutions. Uh, The fact is that we can never spend uh, enough money and can never put enough expertise into uh, conservation and the preservation of material. Uh, And um, uh, sometimes there there does seem to be a a great concentration upon protecting material, uh, while at the same time neglecting um, to ensure that the material is even adequately examined to uh, determine its state. Um, too much of the budget being spent on security. Yes, yes.
0: You know, he went on Morning Ireland in 1985 and said that too much money was being spent on security <laughs> in the Chester level. Library.
2: Well, that's, that's, again, highly ironic, highly ironic. Because I think what lay behind that was some battles he personally was having with wilfred lockwood um wilfred did try to improve the security and there was a lot of internal strife at the time because uh he was I, I supported him um i believed we needed more security he was the chief executive anyway so he's proposing something and as far as i saw it was my duty to carry it out but there was a lot of um, opposition to him. And um, the the opposition was to do with security. So this is probably a very opposite moment for David to come on radio and say what he had to say. I mean, very clever.
3: uh, Have uh, conservation surveys ever been done on the works in the Library? Well, so far, as a matter of fact, they haven't. I mean, it might sound rather surprising, but actually there's never been a full-scale conservation survey of the material, and certainly one should be done. I mean, I'm not saying that uh, one uh, will never be done. I'm sure that the trustees are thinking, and certainly the director, I'm sure, is thinking in terms of, of uh, organising such a survey in the fairly near future. But so far, nothing has been done. David James, thank you. <laughs>
0: After 20 years working with the Islamic collection, David James departed the Chester Beatty Library in 1989 to work with the London-based collector Nasser David Khalili. Pat Donnan had progressed from librarian through curator and in 1991 was on the board of the Chester Beatty Library.
2: I was on holidays in France with a very good friend of mine, um, New Fontainebleau-Moray. Beautiful, sunny July afternoon, sitting in their garden. And the telephone rang, and she came out, my my friend Maddie came out and said, oh, it's a call for you from New York. And I kept thinking, nobody knows. I mean, who knows that I'm here on holidays in New York? And it was Estelle Whelan, who had been working um, on a fellowship at the Chester Beatty, some years previously, and we had maintained a friendship. And I was instantly thinking, oh my goodness, this must be something really, really wrong. Perhaps her husband isn't well, perhaps something... She's not well. And what had happened was that the Museum of Modern Art in New York had contacted her because she was working on a specific manuscript while she was in the Chester Beatty. And they had just had an offer. uh, Would they like to purchase a folio from this manuscript? Now, that's not as unusual as it sounds because the way these manuscripts, they were split up, they they fell apart, um, folios would, would, would appear all over the world. So that of itself wouldn't have rung any alarm bells. But while Estelle was working with us in the Chester Beatty, she had requested permission to photograph some of the pages and I remember the director at the time feeling a little bit, well I'm not sure and I'm not certain, but he did allow her and this is really proof of how important this concept is so he allowed her a photograph various folios that she'd been working on and she brought, she went down to the museum with her photographs and one of the folios on offer was exactly, was the folio that she had worked on Now, in manuscripts, you cannot have two identical pages. It just does not work that way. They are handmade. There is a one only. There would not have been two identical pages in this manuscript. So she knew straight away it had to be from our collection. So she rang me, as I said, and told me about this. And really, I mean, I, I was just, I was all over the place in my head. What in what could we do and we were returning to Ireland the following day I contacted the Gardaí so I phoned the um, assistant commissioner at the time and made contact with him that afternoon and told him what had happened and said really I was concerned and talked with him about the steps that might then happen
0: In July 1991, the Guards launched a secret inquiry into stolen artefacts from the Beatty Library that appeared for private sale. Detective Superintendent Tom Connolly was leading the investigation. One evening that September, they made for Dublin Airport, where suspect David James
5: was due to arrive. So we went to Dublin Airport. We were there an hour or two before the time. And with the permission of the airport authority, we were allowed to go behind the scenes, so to speak, and be in a position to view the passengers coming off this particular flight. So we were in a concealed position, and we had a good view of the people coming out. So people were disembarking. I'm sure there was over 100 on it. I was scrutinising everybody, see, could I... Recognize him, but of course, when they came out, it could have been many of them. But the person who was with us eventually says, pointed out a person and and said, "I think that's him, but I'm not sure." But as the person came nearer, or as after or James came nearer, she said "Yes, that's him." So, uh, take the guard of Liam Hogan, later Superintendent Hogan. Who was with me I had a briefcase and we joined the queue mingled with the passengers and walked along with them very near Dr. David James and we went to the luggage claim apartment so he collected an item of luggage and uh, headed for the arrivals and uh, stopped him. and I addressed him and I says Dr. David James and he says yes and then I identified the two of us to him. And I told him we would like to talk to him in relation to a matter of property belonging to the Jezebelia Library. it offered for sale in London. And that we understood that he would be able to help us in relation to it. So I said, will you talk to us? He says, I will. And he says, well, why do we talk? Well, There was a seat away in a quiet part of the area. So I said, we'll go over here. Now, I hadn't made up my mind really what way to approach him. I was going to play it by ear, what way he was going to do it. So we went over and he sat down, and we spoke to him, and we put it to him. We told him what we knew, and we understood that he had taken this article from the Chesapeake Library. He had brought it to London. He had sold it to a dealer. That we were now in possession of the article, and I said, What have you to say about it? Didn't speak for a while. You could see the face changing. His whole world was tumbling down. Changed in appearance and mannerisms and everything else, he just sort of went all into himself for a while. Mm. As you would expect. As you would expect, depressed and head down, and I think possibly tears in his eyes, but he didn't cry really. From a man who was in the world renowned for his knowledge of Islamic art, and here he was being accused of plundering the treasures of the Chester Beatty Library. That's the way it was. And after a few minutes, he said, I knew this day would come sometime. And yes, he says, I did take that article. I took a number of articles, he said. So, I said, well, do you want to tell us? And naturally, of course, he was cautioned, as he should have been. But he kept talking and outlined many items that he had taken and to whom he had sold them and where he had stored other articles that he had taken from the Chester Beatty Library. I say we spoke to him there for an hour. So eventually I said, well, will you make a statement to us in writing, telling us what you have already told? He says, I will. We had told him he wasn't in custody. He was free to leave, and uh, he says, I understand that. So we were given by the airport authority the use of an office. Now, at this time, it was, I'd say it was after 12 o'clock, into Saturday morning, went into the office. He made a written statement after course, outlining... Many things that he had stolen. So when the statement was finished, I said, I'm afraid at this stage now I'm going to arrest you.
6: The man, who is English, was detained at Dublin Airport this morning by Gardaí after he arrived from London. He was taken to the Bridewell Garda station in the city for questioning and is expected to be charged later tonight. The arrest followed a five-month investigation by officers from Garda headquarters into the disappearance from the Chester Beatty Library of pages from various ancient editions of the Koran. Since 1986, it's believed that manuscripts worth some £300,000 were taken from the library, which houses a priceless collection of oriental art. It's understood that the chairman of the board of trustees of the library, Mr Justice Brian Walsh, and others had been working in close cooperation with Garda for a number of months. During the investigation, detectives visited art museums in New York and dealers in London, where some of the manuscripts, valued at 60000 to £70,000, had been recently recovered.
7: I arrived in Dublin tonight from London on board flight 183. On my arrival in the airport, I was met by Detective Superintendent Thomas Connolly and Detective Garda Liam Hogan. I agreed to come and talk with the Garda, though I had been advised that I was free to leave the airport. From the period February 1969 to February 1989, I was employed as the curator in the Islamic section of the Chester Beatty Library, Shrewsbury Road, Dublin. During this period, I had complete responsibility for the Islamic section. After Dr. Estelle Whelan left the library in mid-1986, I took three pages from manuscript 1404. This is an early edition of the Koran. I also took a group of pages from the Mamluk Koran. There were two manuscripts, and I took the loose pages. There were about 200 pages I have most of these pages in my flat in London. I will be able to identify these pages from a catalogue in the Chester Beatty Library. I sold the Omani door in November 1990 for £750. I have a number of other items in the attic of my apartment in London. Some of these items are from the Chester Beatty Library. They include some items of calligraphy and a small painting... There are also three pages from one of the Mamluk Korans in a drawer in the study where the ladder to the attic is. My flat is the top one in the building. The small painting is on a page of a manuscript from the library. It measures about four inches by two and a half inches. I took the items that I have mentioned from the strong room of the Chester Beatty Library and I took them over a number of years, between 1983 and 1989. As far as I can recall, these are all the items of property that I took from the Chester Beatty Library. If I can think of any other items, I will tell you about them. I can only express my deep regret that I committed these acts. I was under financial pressure. There was no other person involved in these activities. I acted alone. I was never given permission to take these items from the Chester Beattie Library, and they were not mine to sell. To assist in the recovery of the stolen items, I am giving permission to the guardie to enter my flat in London and to take possession of the property I took from the Chester Beattie Library. This statement has been read over to me, and I have made amendments which I have initialed. I am satisfied that this statement is correct.
0: 20 years on, that statement is still difficult for Pat
2: Donlan to hear. It's actually fascinating to, to hear this. I've never heard um, David's statement before. Because that's extraordinary. Hmm. His clarity of, of recall of all the various items and exactly where they are. Oh, I don't know. It actually, it makes my, it turns my stomach. It makes me feel ill. Oh, it. it, it It's mind-boggling. I think that's it's very hard. I didn't understand it at the time. I still don't understand it. I don't understand David's financial difficulties. I mean, it was the 80s. We were all in financial... We all had financial difficulties. Uh, That's not really a justification for... There's no justification for what he did. Hearing that statement, which I've never heard before, is totally chilling and... It, it, it just nauseating in fact um, and it probably brings back in a way that no, nothing else that we've talked about could bring back the horror of the moment
0: David James pleaded guilty and was released on bail and five months later appeared in court
8: Detective Superintendent Tom Connolly told the court that the 41 stolen items were worth an estimated £455,000. Some of them had been sold through auction houses in London and Geneva, but items worth £350,000 had been recovered. Superintendent Connolly said he thought James had made more than £100,000 from the thefts. In court this afternoon, James admitted seven counts of stealing pages from 14th and 15th century Korans, as well as 600-year-old book bindings. He asked for 29 similar offences to be taken into consideration. The thefts took place over a six-year period, from 1983 to 1989. James said he stole the items to buy a house for his family after being forced to leave a home provided by the library. He said his career was now in ruins and he was denied access to Islamic material in other libraries around the world. Judge Michael Moriarty said he'd postponed sentence until July the 23rd to give James an opportunity to help the Guardi recover more of what the judge called this priceless national heritage.
0: I've arrived on the second floor of the Beatty Library. The Director of Collections, Charles Horton, has agreed to show me some of the stolen manuscripts.
1: We are reasonably satisfied um, that we have recovered, um, I would say, well, what I believe is to be about 95%. The discrepancy occurs over a claim that two of the stolen items were destroyed in a fire in a warehouse, and... We are constantly looking out always for any item that was once in this collection that we can no longer account for. And should they ever appear on the market, the library will act. The same applies for um, an item that was purchased by a private individual in the Middle East, and we know where they are. He has not returned them. And they will, if they are ever attempted to be sold in the West, the library will act.
0: does the library know what was in the collection and therefore what was still the library
1: well let me let me put it this way: the library knows what was in most of the collection, but David James was employed as a specialist to catalog the material um and that is a very it's a, it's a position of the utmost trust, and it applies even today. So a collection that has not been catalogued and particularly in a collection where in Ireland um, we had no university department that produced graduates in that discipline. There was nobody in Ireland that could actually catalogue this material. He was brought in in just after Chester Beatty's death, I think maybe 1970. Um, I think he first makes contact with the library sometime in late 69 and I think he might have been in position by 1970 at which stage the the library um, was still, in a sense, unpacking. Um, It was such a huge collection. There was a lot of uh, um, uncatalogued material because Beatty was still buying and selling, not making up his mind as to whether he'd keep things. And so he would take things out and he would give things as presents. It was constantly moving in in flux. And so once Beatty died, the collection is basically static. Nothing is really added to it or shouldn't have been taken away but that's when the specialist came in and is supposed to be cataloguing so there will always be a question mark there's no doubt about it yeah. the, With going back to your question as well, are we satisfied we got everything back we believe you know as far as possible that we got certainly every major piece back yeah.
7: Um,
1: yeah. but you know like in in any you know pages taken from one oh, sorry excuse me hello I can't take a call a present hello so thanks. Bye. bye yeah. Um, yeah. So it's it's. Um, but I mean, I I could I would like to say, hand on heart, that the library satisfied. it got a hundred percent back. But I will not be able to say that.
0: In the room, the recovered manuscripts were laid out on the table: leather-bound books and single pages. Seeing them this close up, I felt a strange excitement.
1: Yeah, everything here was interfered with. Um, you know, so we we got um, that one, this one. I think is one that came back from Germany. Um, it's a Persian Kufic Quran. Um, that's actually the page from the sale catalogue advertising it. Um, really, um,
0: where was it for sale? In London, right.
1: yeah this is well it's also in the past it has been probably burnt you know or suffered you know some state or or it's been damaged by rodents one or the other um, but this is where the stitching has been interfered with yeah. so this is one page that um, had been sent had been came up for auction had been. it was first of all i should say um this is one of several um, disbound pages from what was at one time in many centuries ago, must have been an enormous Quran. We're looking at a very big A3 size sheet of paper um, with a, um, a very early um, Islamic script um, um, Kufic script, which is one of the earliest of the scripts very fine geometrical style kind of script, um, with a little uh, ornamentation here at the very top. But Museums around the world would love to get something like that. This is so early, and Beatty only ever was able to acquire, I think, about four pages of this manuscript originally. It would have um, a uh, uh, Quran this size would have uh, would have run to maybe a couple of hundred pages originally, but when Beatty acquired it, there was only four around, so he got them. But they were left; they weren't put into any sort of binding. They were left as single sheets of. Um, 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 paper, and it' one of these, in fact two of these that were um, taken by J.V. James, the great difficulty for people working in the library and indeed for the authorities, not just you know uh, the trustees of the library, but when an insider theft happens, nobody knows how far the ripples go. Uh, Was he acting alone or did he have, in fact, you know, uh, um, other people helping him? And of course, at that time, working for the library, it was very difficult because everybody comes under suspicion. So it was a very difficult time that, you know, areas of the library were embargoed, you couldn't go to. um, They were sealed because court proceedings were about to take place. The police were coming down. There was a lot of investigations, you know, into, you know, what was going on in the library, Um, thankfully it has been proved that there was only one person uh, responsible and um, everybody else was exonerated, then waiting for the actual uh, judge's decision. And that that judge's decision was quite extraordinary, where he mentions the pressure that was brought on him by David James's friends, if you like, who he found quite extraordinary.
0: In advance of sentencing, academics and other influential people in Irish life gave their support to David James in the form of letters to the court. Nicola Gordon-Bow was amongst these.
9: In an effortless way. I mean, he just seemed to live the work in th- that he was studying. Mm. Um, Do you think that um, you understood exactly what...
0: He had done when you wrote the reference to the courts
9: well, I had no idea that it was um that it was six years no um that he'd been doing it for such a long time, but i no, i i didn't i, I mean i th- i I think that what I thought it must have been was a matter of really not feeling adequately appreciated, not feeling that the work was adequately appreciated um the fact that he was sort of in loco director. You know, whatever the Latin Directorship is, and uh, um, and, um, and 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 that it was it was really a, a sort of rather desperate, you know, a, a, a desperate gesture to try and draw attention to the importance of the. I mean, maybe a sort of almost heroic, you know, act. It is a betrayal of trust, but I think at that time they felt that. Um, well, I mean, it's no reason to steal anything at any stage but to do it for your own profit is, is, is odd. Maybe he had some strange sense that Chester Beatty wasn't... that the people in Dublin or the like, you know, weren't appreciating them, and that if they went out into the open market, a good person, maybe this was his thinking. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't redeem him, but maybe he felt that it, they would be more understood if they were on an open market and that Chester Beatty's, I is... I mean, I'm, I would imagine there must have been some sort of logic, however crazy it may seem in retrospect,
0: Despite these representations, Judge Moriarty delivered a custodial
5: sentence. So Judge Moriarty gave a very articulate account of this uh, crime that this man had committed. A man in a position of trust, plundering the articles that he was in charge of and selling them for his own personal gain. At the other end, he came through his cooperation and he went through all about the cooperation, equally pleased, and all this sort of thing. And eventually said, well, I think the sentence is five years imprisonment. But I will suspend the last 38 months of the sentence which in fact left David James to serve 20, 22 months. Now, whether he got time off or good behaviour after the 22 months, I don't know. But that was the, the judgment of the court.
0: In January 1993, David James began his sentence in Shelton Abbey, an open prison. Margaret Byrne was one of the few friends to visit him there.
5: I felt he took it philosophically, that he blamed himself. He realised that this had been a very bad idea. And he just had accepted that this was how it ended up. I had a sneaking feeling he must have wanted to be caught. My fantasy is that he perhaps became uncomfortable with the position he had put himself in and almost wanted to put an end to it. It was just my feeling that if a very intelligent person sets themselves up in such a way in which they're very likely to be caught, it's because they want to. In
0: 1995, David James was released from prison. The Chester BC Library collection is now housed in the safety of the clock tower at Dublin Castle. The culture of trust which allowed an inside theft of this magnitude is long gone. No one knows for sure how much David James gained or lost from this crime. I eventually track him down to the south of Spain, where he's been living for many years and has recently published a book on early Islamic Spain. I wrote to him and he replied.
7: Dear Brenda, thanks for your invitation to participate in your programme. I've thought carefully about this, but I can't. I've put all those events behind me now and I don't want to relive them. Sorry to have to disappoint you. Regards, David James.